Good morning, church. It's good to be back with you this Lord's Day. Please turn in your scriptures to Colossians, and we're in the last chapter. In fact, this is the last message in this uh, series, uh, and, and so I look forward to bringing this, and I hope that you can glean something from it today. It'll be a blessing in what we do for the Lord this week. Now, last Lord's Day was family day, and what that meant was the young people were stayed in the service, and uh, man, oh man, the teenagers that were in the praise band, and uh, up here, they did all of the... Uh, the praise team, and leading us in worship. And let me tell you, young people, you did a great job. You did a real good job. Praise God for that. I celebrate that. Uh, you can read about it in the New York Times. Now, you know through the chuckle that that wasn't true. But uh, what I do want to say is, what if someone were to write an article in a magazine, or maybe a, a Christian magazine, or it circulated around the world, and uh, you see uh, a made-up issue right there, the Christian Magazine, April 2019 issue, and in this issue, CCM is Church of the Year. Wouldn't that be great? That, well, three of you thought so. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it would be great, and in that magazine would be articles that the editor would choose people in the congregation to write articles about. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? And they would describe you in every detail, that you're the right arm of the preacher and that you are indispensable to the work here, that you're such an encourager, uh, that you're a financial backer of the Lord's kingdom, the Lord's work, a true servant, and how you gave up possessions, you gave up clubs in town, you gave up positions that you would sell out everything and be part of the local body of Christ, the bride, and that the church would blossom and grow because of your hard work. Who among us would the editor choose to write an article about in this Christian magazine? Well, Paul wrote such a letter and he wrote about people, and he named them by name. And I want us to go ahead. If you've turned to Colossians 4, I'm going to read that in just a moment. But listen, this isn't a magazine that it would sit on the end table of a dentist's office and stay six months or a year, and they'd toss it out and get another one. What we're going to read about today has been around the world multiple times. What we will read today is not only around the world but it is read 2,000 years later, and we are still reading it. So let's read 7 through 14, 7 through 14. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, there are, uh, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers in the kingdom of God. And they have been com a comfort to me. And then he continues the list. Verse 12. 
Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas, verse uh, 15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And I say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And so we find Paul in prison here in this letter, and he is talking about men and women, brothers and sisters in the Lord, who are sold out to Jesus. You don't have to wonder about them. They are sold out to the Lord, and he mentions them by name. And so he's wounded, and yet he's, he, he surrounds himself with a team of men and women who are going to build him up and strengthen him and he will guard them, and they'll go out and do, in this mission work, the will of the Lord. And so in this short passage, there are 10 people who send their greeting to the church at Colossae, their church family. Now, let's name them and copy their example today. I want to imagine that if a worldwide Christian magazine was being written, and that they looked to CCM, that they would see a great number of men and women who are sold out to Jesus. All right, sold out for Jesus. Number one is verse 7, Tychicus. It said that he was a beloved brother, faithful servant, fellow bond slave. He carries the good news. He brings updates as to how the mission work is going. He's a fundraiser, and he's an encourager. The next one, verse 9, is Onesimus. He's a faithful brother, beloved brother. He he carries... He carries the good news. He's a fundraiser, but he also, uh, he's one of you, the scripture says. That means that he belongs, he's faithful, he's part of the family. We've got people like that, don't we? Your family. We feel your love. Verse 10 is Aristarchus. Now, Paul names him as a fellow prisoner. If you've got a loved one that's incarcerated, keep them before the family name in a positive way. If you've got someone that is a Christian or maybe someone that was incarcerated and they became a Christian while they're in prison, you you keep news of the church, keep news of the brethren, how the church is doing, who's being saved, who has dedicated their life to the Lord. Keep that news before them and nurture them with information of what the kingdom is doing. And then we find verse uh, 10 again, we find Mark. Mark is a repentant deserter of the mission work. He was on a previous mission journey with the Apostle Paul, and he went home. He didn't abandon the church. He abandoned the mission work, and we're going to study about him in just a little bit. And then we find in verse 11, Jesus, or he is commonly named Justice. He's a fellow worker. Epaphras in verse 12, he's one of you. He's one of you. 
he is one that helps the apostle Paul as well. Paul needed a team to surround him in the missionary work. And then when he went to prison, he needed his supporters to come and help him and sustain him there. It's like a football team that surrounds the quarterback and protects him that he might instigate the plays and get the plays going. He's a bond slave. He labors hard for the churches. In Luke, uh, Luke is mentioned in verse 14. He's the beloved physician. You remember Luke because he wrote the gospel according to Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. He's a missionary. And then in verse 14 is the name Demas. We're going to talk about him later. Not going to talk about him now. Nympha is so cool because she has opened up her home, and the brethren are meeting there to have worship. She serves the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, in her home every Lord's Day. My, I can't imagine that if we didn't have these nice church buildings, that we would still be meeting in our homes, just like they did 2,000, 1,900, 1,800 years ago. And Nympha was one of those that had everyone over in her home. And then Archippus, a minister, he needed encouragement and admonition. And I know that you need it too. You need encouragement and admonition. And so in Paul's closing remarks of this short letter, he reminds the Christians of these loving brethren and what an encouragement they are to him. Now, I have been told in ministry, don't mention people's names from the pulpit. Oh, we had a great work day, and I want to name the people that came out. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to miss somebody. And how embarrassing. I have missed names because I have mentioned and it's, it's humiliating. It, it hurts to miss someone's name. But I bring it up because Paul has just mentioned 10 names. And he named these people by name. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about these people. How cool is that? And it's cool, too, the example that you set in the body of Christ. And you go past the table. You're going to go out of these two doors very possibly when you leave. Maybe some others. But there's a long table right outside with a cork bulletin board. And there's all kinds of things to sign up for. And by the way, we need your help. We need your help. Please sign up on that table many of the things that you can do because we can't do it by ourselves. We do not work alone. We work as a team. And this is the way the body of Christ operates. And so we have one another. And first off, first off today, we have service brings us together. I think that's important to realize. When's the last time you really felt part of the congregation? Well, when's the last time you you met over here and worked as a team with, with someone? See, we feel more part of the congregation when we're busy. We lock arms, we hold hands, and we get to work at the task that we have undertaken. We need you is what I'm saying. And I'm saying you will feel better about your walk with Jesus, and you will feel better about the church, when you are busy doing something. And we've got men and women that could be in my, in my illustration of a Christian magazine. We've got hard workers. Sure we do. True brothers and sisters, servants, encouragers, people who, like Mark, listen, uh, I'm going to talk about Mark in a minute, but people who have, like Mark, he deserted one of the works and left him in a pinch. But he rededicated his life and he came back. We've got people like that. We've got people that rededicated their lives, and they came back. And we got people like Epiphras, who has a deep concern for the brethren, and they pray for the church, and they pray for you. 
People are constant, in constant prayer for you. We've got people like Nympha who opens up her home. And when we have an in-home uh, Bible study series, which we are looking at and planning for October, you would open up your home and people would come into your home and you'd celebrate Jesus together and you would pray together and you'd open the word together. What a blessing that is to do that. And then Archippus, uh, he ministers in the church and we've got people that need encouragement just like him. Now, here's my point. Oh, there's a point? Yeah, we're headed somewhere with this, okay? Which one of these people in 10 names mentioned, which one are you? Which one are you like? What's hindering you? What's stopping you from living like these 10 mentioned? You know, the church, we don't know how large the church was back then, but their names didn't get mentioned. Oh, I'm insulted. The people that stood beside the Apostle Paul, the people that surrounded him as if he were the quarterback, he mentions their names. And I want to make sure that our names are mentioned before the Father. And you know how that happens? Jesus wrote about it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, and verses 32 and 33, that if you will confess my name before men, I will confess your name before the Father who is in heaven. And if you deny me before men, I will deny your name before the Father. If we deny the Christ after we accepted him, he will not confess us before the Father in heaven. That's not a good thing. I know that you know that. And so we're going to check out some gifts and how we can serve the body of Christ. Turn over with me to Romans. That's a large book in the New Testament. You can find it just by thumbing through. And we're going to get to Romans, and we're going to go to chapter 12. And chapter 12, 3 through 8, <clears throat> 3 through 8, let's read about these. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I like those words, that God has assigned. Are you faithful to the assignment that God has given you? And therefore, verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We're not all gifted the same way. We don't all share the same talents, but we're all part of the body. Verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us then use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so we look at these gifts right now, and we look at the first one, it's prophecy. This is not foretelling the future. I looked it up yesterday, and, and it said it is the foretelling. It is where we take time to preach and teach and bless someone with a word. It is the foretelling. And you can do that in your own way. You don't have to be the Apostle Paul. Uh, you don't even have to be one of our elders or, or the preacher. You be yourself. And you tell forth what Jesus has done in your life 
you share the good news. Which one of these gifts, these seven gifts, which one describes you? Read them again. Go over it today in the afternoon or, or read, read these, <clears throat> this Romans 12 through the week. <clears throat> and uh, which one can God use you in? Let's go to another text of 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> starting with verse 13, starting with 13 and going through 25. Boy, Paul writes a mouthful here in this text. 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. You know, you might be discouraged in your Christian walk, and you might be saying, who's going to care if I don't go? God, who's going to notice the arm? If you're a hand in the body of Christ, the arm will miss you. If you're a foot in the body of Christ, the leg is going to miss you. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a talent. Everyone needs to be working and serving Christ's body, the kingdom. And then he says in 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, and here's those words again, similar words found in Romans. It says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. God has chosen you to be faithful in the kingdom. And when we say, oh, my role is so insignificant, I'm just a nose, I'm just an ear, I'm just a tongue, don't look at it that way. Every part of the body is needed and necessary. Verse 19 If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, uh, we bestow the greater honor. And of and our unpresentable uh, parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to that part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. Verse 25, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That is the old spirit of, of one for all and all for one. When one hurts, we're all going to be concerned and pray. When one has some great victory in their life, 
We're not jealous that that great victory happened to them. We all celebrate together with them. That's the way the church operates. It lives, it acts that way. By and through all of the parts of the body, the body of Christ functions. God ministers, God heals, God makes better, God reconciles, God pulls it together when we each do our part. Don't get slack. If you need prayer, ask for it. If you need some encouragement, ask for it. If you need to be shown where you can uh, plop down and, and, and make this part of your ministry, ask for it. It's so important. Secondly, today, segregation or separation destroys the body of Christ. It hurts the body of Christ. We cannot separate ourselves from one another. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Oh, you guys, y'all get busy. It looks attractive, but I'm going to sit over here by myself and do nothing. That does not look like Christianity. We've got to quit acting that way. It's not part of us. Now, we got three cases here in this chapter to look at. One is Mark. I said I would get back to him. One is Demas. I said I would get back to him. The next is the Jew and the Gentiles that Paul mentions in these 10 names. And so let's look at it first of all. Mark in verse 10. Let's go back to our text of Colossians 4 and look at verse 10. Verse 10. Mark the cousin of Barnabas concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now that's important. You'd say, well, of course we'll welcome him. Well, something happened in Mark's past that people might not want to welcome him. I mentioned earlier, he deserted the Apostle Paul on a missionary journey. He deserted him. He left him in a lurch. He left him in a pinch. Let me read it to you. Turn over to Acts chapter 15. Take your your time. Some of you may have never noticed this story. Acts 15. Acts 15, and starting with 36. Acts 15, 36. And I'm going to read down through 39. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John Mark. John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take uh, with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been uh, commended by the brothers and, and uh, to the grace of the Lord. And so you will find peppered throughout Paul's writings, uh, he's always talking about unity. He's always talking about togetherness. And the reason I believe is because he had this sharp, disagreement, this sharp dispute between he and a brother he loved, Barnabas. And it was over this Mark fellow. Mark said he signed up and he was going to do the work and he backed out and left the team in a lurch. 
That can happen in the local church in modern day times, can't it? We sign up, we back out, we leave them in a lurch. And we don't want to do that. But look what happens. Now, this happened in 49 AD. Something happened 16 years later. Not only in the book of Colossians where we've been studying, and he says, if Mark shows up, if Mark comes, you welcome him. But I want to, I want to take you over now to 2 Timothy in chapter 4, verse 11. 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. There it reads, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry. What happened? Well, I would say, number one, that Timothy proved himself over those 16 years. When he went off on that missionary tour with Barnabas, chances are he did not back out. He didn't go back home. He proved himself. And over the time, the Holy Spirit working in these hearts, in these minds, in these men's lives, the Holy Spirit began to do a work. And Paul says, if Mark comes among you, welcome him. Then in another text, he talks about Mark being his right arm. He talks about when you come to see me, bring Mark with you because he's useful in ministry. Don't you just love it when there's restoration? Don't you just love it when there's reconciliation? Don't you just love it when we get to be a team again? I do, and I celebrate that. The second name in, in Colossians in verse 14 is the name of Demas. Now, here it gives a, a short, uh, a favorable response. It says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. But it doesn't describe him. It doesn't talk about him. I found that to be odd. But nevertheless, his name was mentioned, and so he had value in the team. I want you to turn back to that 2 Timothy text, 2 Timothy 4. And let's look at verses 9 and 10, and you'll find out something about Demas. 2 Timothy 4, verses 9 and 10 read, Do your best to come to me soon. Hmm. Because something has happened. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Do you know what it feels like to be deserted? Yes, you do. Do you know what it feels like to be left in a pinch or left in a lurch? Many of you do. And this is what Demas did. But see, Demas didn't like, like Mark. Mark stayed in the church. He stayed in the kingdom. He just gave up on the work. Demas left the work and left the church because he, he fell in love with the world again. Guard yourself from falling in love with the world again. We're different. We have confessed faith in Jesus Christ. And we're, we're fed up with this bent, sinful world. We're looking forward to the next one, the one that God has promised us. And so Demas has left him. It just says for this present world, we are not told what he left the work over or for. And so could it have been relationships? Number one, you need to realize that not every relationship is good for you. 
And when you've got someone tugging at you, and they're always wanting you to be gone on the Lord's Day, they always want you to go somewhere, and you're no longer around the table celebrating your forgiveness, if you're no longer encouraging the brethren and being involved in ministry, then that's a bad relationship for you. You met somebody at work. You met somebody on Facebook. You met somebody, and they're pulling you away from the work of the Lord. You need to evaluate that that relationship. Next, maybe he got involved in a get-rich-quick scheme. Money. Money. Or the hope for money. That pulls people out of the church sometimes. Have faith and trust on the Lord. Maybe just got discouraged and quit. That happens a lot. People get discouraged, don't we? Every, every last one of us in here gets discouraged about something. Every last one of us. We get discouraged and quit. But sometimes I think maybe he got, see, he left Judea, the team, the missionaries. They left Jerusalem, and they went up into uh, the Greek territory. They went up into Gentile territory, and they were winning people to the Lord. And I wonder, and that's all it is, is a wonder. I wonder if Demas became attracted to the Greek lifestyle. What's that? Well, you know, as a Jew, always wore that long hair and them long beards and them long robes, and you get up to the Greeks, and they got statues that are all naked. You've seen them. They, they were involved in sports. Where do you think the Olympics came from? Came out of the Greek culture. They were involved in art. And so maybe, the Bible doesn't say, but maybe Demas got caught up in these things and, and the Greek lifestyle became more attractive than the Judaism Christian lifestyle. I don't know. The Bible just says he loved this present world and he turned back. So my question's for us. Are you forsaking a ministry here for your own sake? for your own will, for your own selfishness? Are you forsaking the work of the Lord? That's a tough question. That's a, that's a hard question. Are you neglecting the work of the Lord? Are you neglecting the joy of the Lord for the joy of the world? That's another tough question. Hebrews eleven twenty five, the passing pleasures of sin. Are you a Demas in my life? Are you a Demas in the elders' lives? Are you neglecting Bible study? Are you neglecting your turn in the nursery? How did that get in there? You're not going to consider being an elder in the church because you would have to give up some things of the world. You're not going to train to be a deacon for the same reason. And some say, just give me a corner. What, in, the, in a cabin, in a corner of glory land? It doesn't work that way. Just give, me, just give me a corner of a pew in the corner of the building and leave me alone. It doesn't work that way. That's not Christianity. Christianity is a family. It's a team. And we draw together and we work hard together. In Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. That word forsake is that idea that we've been talking about this morning, leaving each other in a pinch, leaving each other in a lurch. Forsake means that you abandon. Do not abandon the Lord's day. Do not abandon, forsake, desert, leave one in a lurch. 
And so what have I said so far? I have said that Mark left, but he came back. I said that demon, De, Demas, Demas left, and he didn't come back. Where are we in this scenario? And then there's the Jew and Gentile, the two people groups uh, in the text. Uh, why is there a distinction? Uh, back to Colossians in verses 11 and 12, 11 says, And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Then he names the Gentile workers. Why would he do that? Is he singling them out because one group is more important to one another? No, he's singling this out because he's saying we are all equal. We are all one together, Jew and Gentile alike. There is no distinction made in 11 and 12. There is no distinction made in the church. These, of these 10 people, the first four were Jews. They were of the circumcision. Uh, the other six, they were men and women, and they were Gentiles. Listen, even though they were Jew and Gentile, they worked side by side. They had to get over their prejudice, and they worked side by side in the body of Christ. Why? Because ministry is not about me, and it's not about you. Ministry is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It is about him receiving the glory, not me and not you. And so this is so essential. Walls came down. I want you to turn over to Galatians. Now, Galatians, if you're in Colossians, you just got to back up about 10 pages, and you're going to find that little tiny book of uh, Galatians. And Galatians, we find in chapter 3, in verses 26 and 27, these words. 26 of Galatians 3 reads this way. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, like a garment, like a garment. You've put on Christ. Therefore, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. And I love this. When we came to faith in Christ, verse 26, we were baptized into Christ, verse 27, walls came down, prejudice came down. Uh, we became heirs of God, a God who has no color, a God who has no nationality, a God who has no earthly status. We are heirs of him, according to the promise. Don't give up on what God is trying to build in his kingdom. We must not be prejudiced. Jew or Gentile, black or white, Asian or Hispanic, African, we are all one in Christ. Don't build camps where God did not build a camp. We are one in Christ. We have been promised salvation. We've been promised heaven. We have been promised inheritance, inheritance. We are all one in Christ. And uh, if we aren't, then we are deserters. If we aren't, we are deserters to the teachings of Jesus. They're tough decisions. Uh, I hope you're reading your uh, newsletter that we put out. 
And in that, do you catch the back of all those that are serving? Is this not like the Christian, the fictitious, made-up magazine I talked about earlier, where people's names are being mentioned because it's their turn to serve? Does your name show up on the newsletter? I encourage you to find something to do for Jesus in the local body of Christ. Decisions are tough, aren't they? Decisions are tough. Now, when I lived in southwest Virginia or in North Carolina, where Deb and I had moved from, and we're going to go on a trip, people in that area, they just know where the gas stations on the trip are going to be the cheapest gas. And so when you're riding up uh, on uh, 77 North through Virginia, you're going to try to make it to Withville. And that's how it's pronounced. You're going to make it there because the truck stop gasoline is so much less expensive. And if you're heading west and you're going to go to Johnson City, Tennessee, you're going to get around uh, Jonesboro or uh, Elizabethan, and that's how it's pronounced. The gas is cheaper there. And you've got to make a decision because the yellow light in the dash came on. And doggone it, you wanted the cheaper price. And so I'm going to, I'm going to risk it. We're going to make it. Dig the manual out of the glove box. How many miles can we go on that light? I got to get to that cheaper gas because if I stop sooner, they're going to rip me off. Decisions are hard to make. When I rode motorcycles for 14 years, I loved to go up to the mountains and get in the twisties. And so here is one of the ugliest, nastiest rainstorms coming, and you turn a curve, and there that is behind me now, and I have to worry about it. You turn the next curve, and doggone it, I'm going right back into that rainstorm, <laughs> and the next curve, I'm away from it, and you're just, you got to make a decision. Are you going to pull over and put your rain gear on? You're going to pull over and, and let it blow over, and you're just going to wait it out? Or are you going to chance it, and you're going to say, I'm not going to, that storm's not going to get me. You've got some decisions to make, and it rained on you. What are we going to do? And the Bible tells us that there is a judgment day coming, and you cannot make a decision then. Once I'm soaked, it's too late to put the rain suit on. No reason to put it on. When the judgment day gets here, you can holler out the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, all you want to. It's too late. There is no grace at the judgment day. Grace is now. It's now. And so make a decision to live for Jesus. Make a decision. God's not going to honor, I meant well. We have a saying, it's not in the Bible, but we say that the, the road to where is paved with good intention. It's hell. Honor God. Celebrate Jesus. Cash in your chips of all the things of this life and be done with it. That honors God. Give everything to Jesus. That honors Jesus. When we don't live like that, it shames him because he knows we're straddling the fence. Remember that old term? Straddling the fence. We got one foot in the kingdom and we got one foot in the world. And that doesn't work. That doesn't work. The invitation is be sold out to Jesus. Give him your all. Do it now.
We're going to sing uh, a chorus in just a moment. Right now, we're going to bow in prayer, but as I pray, you've got a decision to make with Jesus. Make the right one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I rejoice in Jesus. I thank you for my faith and uh, that was encouraged by my grandparents and my parents. I thank you for the faith that came to me by good Christian people that we, we hung out with at, at the uh, local church in, in uh, southeast Georgia. And I pray, dear God, that these people here would learn. Many already have. Many are trying. Others are making a decision. I pray, dear God, for them because I know that your blessings are just waiting. You are waiting. The Holy Spirit is waiting. And I pray that they'll make the right decision now. In Jesus' name, amen.